We had too much to talk about from yesterday. But for Ian LaMarcel, Andy Laidlaw, Nick Hornberg, and Andrew Miller, I am Evan Osterley. This has been the DSR. Good night and go blue. I take a breath. I'm not going to lose. This is what I came here to do. Well, uh, good evening. It's a little after 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And, uh, gee, I don't think anything can knock Trump off the front page of the newspapers except a mass shooting and a plane crash. And, of course, we had both last week. Uh, One, not a real flattering reflection on the management of Donald Trump regarding the uh, FAA. Oh, a lot of serious questions about the FFA and the impact of the government shutdown on standard operating procedures for Mm -hmm. uh, safety protocols. Yeah. In fact, I, I don't have this article with me, but I was reading that there were about five or six small plane crashes that the NS. TB is never going to be able to really investigate because uh, uh, they were not deemed essential. But there do seem to be some gaping holes in what was going on uh, during the government shutdown regarding air safety. And, of course, the more we're learning about this, it's interesting that China uh, was the first country to ground the planes. Uh, They didn't take any chances. We waited for... 48 hours after virtually every country on the planet uh, decided, well, let's take a little time out here with the uh, Boeing uh, modification. And, you know, to be honest with you, this sounds like a kind of a software upgrade that might not have been quite upgraded properly with training and whatnot. Um, Automation, you know. 
I remembered when cruise control came out in automobiles back in the late 70s, and I was always a little nervous about cruise control because I didn't, first of all, one dangerous thing about it, if you're on the freeway, is you're much more likely to fall asleep because you're consciously not putting your foot on the gas pedal. Um, I don't know what data would ever show about something like that, but I was always a little leery. I didn't like cruise control. It made me nervous to be in a car where someone was using it back in the day. Yeah. Because, you know, and you could feel it with the hills, too. You know, there'd be these sudden accelerations to deal with the fact that you were going up a hill because it was supposed to maintain a speed, and uh, there was just something odd about it. Um, but, wow. Um, you know, and obviously this is an amazing or a real important uh economic story because Boeing uh, by numbers is the number one exporter uh, in the United States Uh, so Donald Trump of course because of the trade deficit problem that he's obsessed with uh, is not going to be thrilled if there proved to be real problems with this upgrade. Well the fact that the the head of Boeing was on the phone with him saying, hey, don't ground these things. We, we, we're we going to fix it. We know yeah. how to fix it. We've had 40,000 safe flights, you know. Right. But, you know, erring on the side of caution yeah. is the responsible thing to do. And many people were calling for that right off the bat. But um, Trump was, as usual, the ostrich. I don't want Einstein flying my plane. Uh, then he blamed the- it on, you know. Uh, it's too complicated to fly planes. And then, of course, it emerged that there actually is no FAA administrator at the that moment. That is correct. It's an acting administrator, and that Trump had proposed his own personal pilot. Who apparently had let the registration of the plane lapse. <laughs> Sky pilot. Yeah, um, I don't know. Trump has a very peculiar concept of running the government, to say the very least. Uh, I think he needs to listen to the the British Speaker of the House. Order! Order! (laughs) And we heard him bellowing that out again uh, last week. Um, And then, of course, by the end of the week, uh, obviously the unfortunate events in New Zealand, um, who on earth... I mean, just let me give you brain uh, Donald Trump a brain damage award. Who on earth has a photo op veto signing ceremony? Most pre- which, which, first of all, yeah. by the way, you do not sign a veto. In fact, the very premise of a veto is a refusal to sign. Yeah, there's, there's nothing you sign. You simply hand it back. Right. So, and there used to be this thing called the pocket veto. Um, yeah, very strange that he would create a photo op, bring in the the usual props on the day of the, of the uh, tragic events in uh, New Zealand and then mangle everything about it. You know, his, his comments were just so clueless. Um, you know, he began talking about the invasion and apparently this is, like, the very words that the manifesto has. Yeah, indeed. So, uh, you know, obviously 
Donald Trump is not um, Mr. Manifesto. But over the weekend, you know, it's kind of strange that Donald Trump would inject himself into the continuing controversy at Fox News (laughs) about uh, Judge Janine... Uh, Judge Janine, you know, she's apparently been suspended. Yeah, that show has been removed, actually. And I think possibly removed due to her comments, her unwillingness. And, you know, I saw the clip of her making the comment. She was questioning the loyalty to the American project of uh, Representative uh, Omar from Minnesota, who has become sort of the target wearer. Uh, amongst Democrats for uh, Fox News and the Republicans who want to just sort of make noise about nothing in particular. Um, She's said a few, you know, clumsy things. We talked about this a little bit last week after the show. Um, But, uh, yeah, she's got a target. Judge Janine sounded drunk when she said what she was saying about Muslims. Well, she might have been because she she was arrested several months ago on a Highway, uh, just going 104 in some zone, and that's might be a telltale sign of drunk driving. Uh, drunk, drunks sometimes have this weird desire to go faster and faster. I gotta get home, and they feel overconfident and yeah. blah blah blah. So we, we don't know what's exactly going to happen with uh, justice with Judge Janine's 9 p.m. show. But apparently Donald Trump uh, spent the weekend twittering about it. Bring back Judge Janine Pirro, Mr. Trump tweeted. Uh, Fox must stay strong and fight back with vigor, (laughs) Mr. Trump wrote. Um, Stop working so hard on being politically correct which will only bring you down and continue to fight for our country. The losers all want you to have. Don't give it to them, whatever that means. That's a classic Donald Trump incoherent tweet. A little unclear what he's actually talking about there, but uh, uh, he's plumb tuckered out. That's... Thumb tuckered out from yeah. all that tippy tap typing with the thumbs there, but uh, apparently it was like a record tweet storm weekend where he was going off about Saturday Night Live yeah. and Fox News, and what was the oh again with the John McCain bashing? Yeah. I mean, okay, John McCain's dead, and this you know where's Lindsey Graham on this one? Right, uh, supposedly one of uh, John McCain's great friends. Um, I mean, this is shameless to continue to flog that one. Or and 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 of course, Lindsey Graham has flip flopped so egregiously on Donald Trump. It's pretty pathetic. Obviously, he's worried about re-election. But how about Tom Tillis? Uh, oh yeah, profiles in. <laughs> what on earth? Okay, cowardice. He's worried about a primary challenge. Obviously. He was one of the first Republicans to denounce this uh, um, emergency. Yeah, uh, a big piece in the Washington Post. Yeah, and and actually stood up for some principles. Said this is this is about the American Constitution, and by golly, it is. I mean, when Trump asserted 
over over the veto ceremony or whatever you want to call that, you know, where he dragged in four police officers and three mothers from the what do they call themselves? The angels of mercy or something. <laughs> They're not hell's angels. But although he does claim to enjoy biker support. So yeah. we got I got the tough guys, the cops, the military, and the bikers. The bikers. This is his, you know, sort of contingent of heavies. Yeah. Marlon Brando is uh, <laughs> roaring up that motorcycle in the wild ones. But, yeah, I mean, for Tom Tillis to flip-flop on this so egregiously and conspicuously, I mean, no credibility at all. Because he actually was right on track. He, he didn't even have to make this vote to help the president because the president's going to make the veto anyway. Right. Um, of course, Trump might have dissed him in, in his reelection in 2020. Quick question about that. How I mean, there were 12 Republicans who crossed the aisle on this to mm -hmm. defeat it or to, to pass it, which sent it to the president's desk. He then vetoes it. How many more votes would be necessary from the Republican side to be the veto proof majority? I mean, how well, they short would they, they would need two thirds. So they would have to get eight more votes. And then it, it's also got to be two thirds of the House. Which is another problem. Okay. Um, because the there's got to be eight more senators with a shred of decency well, or, or duty to their own branch of government. And you see, the, the, the backstory about this is really kind of interesting. Mitch McConnell had actually advised Trump not to do this because the effect of this, by the way, is that the courts are going to determine this. Mm -hmm. So when Trump said, oh, constitutional scholars have told me unanimously that that I'm on solid ground, it's like, uh, no, um, this is in the constitutional textbook, dude, called separation of powers. They have six or seven cases about this very issue. And I although strangely, Bill Barr, rather disturbingly, was very explicit in participating in yeah. this and saying, you are within your legal rights to do this, Mr. President, which <laughs> is a matter of debate. We're going to find out. I think we'll find out. Right. As people have pointed out, in theory, this should um, delay the construction of the wall. And I, by the way, I think there are some serious questions about where that money is going. There have been a lot of reports that uh, some of these private corporations involved in building the quasi-prison facilities right. are big donors to Donald Trump and that this is actually a money-making operation. And that, of course, he's making things worse because he keeps talking about the problem, doesn't understand that the problem is not the wall or the lack of the wall. There's plenty of wall down there. Donald Trump's built very little of it. The problem is the asylum claims that are being made at ports of entry. Everyone says that. <laughs> All the border people say it. But, you know, the steel case, the Youngstown uh, steel case, is one of the classic constitutional uh, cases that students, even an undergrad that take a constitutional law class, learn about. This is the famous... Truman uh, trying to seize the steel mills during the Korean War. Truman was uh, shot down by the court six to three. And I wanted to just quote a couple of the famous words from some of the justices.
uh, because this is a fascinating example. By the way, this this case was expedited, um, and even that's fascinating. Um, the history is fairly brief, but I'll just mention that uh, the writ of certiorari was was heard on the hearing was heard on five uh, the the third um, of May, and arguments were set for the twelfth, and they actually made a decision on the second of June of nineteen fifty two, and indeed the Korean War was going on. This was one of the justifications that the uh, president at the time, Truman, made. This involved a, a strike, by the way. This is not quite, not every fact is identical. But um, Black wrote, uh, you know, he said... Uh, Justice Horace Black. Uh, Hugo Black. Hugo, thank you. The original sort of, uh, you know, a controversial justice in his own right uh, because he had been a member of the Ku Klux Klan... But he was a senator from Alabama, and he was FDR's first appointed justice because he knew he could get him through, and he knew that Hugo Black was a liberal, actually. <laughs> if you can figure that one out, figure it out. But That's the South. In the early days of his career, he was in the Ku Klux Klan. That's basically been documented, and that was sort of kind of known at the time. Well, in Southern circles, in, to, in some regards, it was something of a gentleman's club that to advance yeah. in certain uh, areas or fields, one had to belong to certain organizations. Yeah, if you want to play, you got to pay. <laughs> uh, to paraphrase another uh, reality of our existence on this planet, uh, Judge Douglas, who voted with Black all the time on these freedom of speech cases, they were unambiguous about the First Amendment, by the way, related to speech, religion, all kinds of things. Um, Douglas wrote that the doctrine of separation of powers, this is a concurring opinion, was adopted by the convention not to promote efficiency, but to preclude the exercise of arbitrary power. Quoting Louis Brandeis, he said legislative action may indeed be cumbersome, time-consuming, and apparently inefficient. But the fact is, it's necessary that this is how the system works. Um, and he even acknowledges that the emergency which caused the president to seize the steel plants was one that bore heavily on the nation. But Douglas said, too bad. Congress has the power and duty to act. The president does not. And this, by the way, involved certain votes that Congress took specifically on whether or not the president could seize steel mills in emergency, you know, times of emergency war. And they specifically said he could not. Um, and this is exactly what happened with the vote on the wall. Mm. When Donald Trump controlled the Congress in his first two years of his presidency, they voted on the wall in the Senate. It got 39 votes. Those are the facts. Even the Republican Senate did not approve the wall back in a year ago. So this is going to get tied up in the courts. And without going into Judge Jackson's um, also concurring opinion... Uh, Robert Jackson, 
is almost more famously known as the the judge of the Nuremberg trials. So he was appointed late uh, to the court. And, uh, of course, Douglas was also a, a Franklin Roosevelt appointee, along with Frankfurter, who uh, also concurred in this opinion. But it's worth actually picking up a con- constitutional textbook to read all of the issues that are involved in this sort of separation of powers problem. You know, that the Congress specifically is authorized to spend the money, not the president. He's only authorized to execute the laws. He only takes an oath to faithfully execute the laws, which Trump is clearly not doing, in all kinds of instances. Yeah, that's for sure. And one wonders how... uh... Heads will spin uh, should the next president be a Democrat and choose to invoke emergency power act over something like the opioid crisis or the climate crisis uh, or the gun crisis uh, or any number of other significantly more legitimate crises. Um, You know, they, they seem okay with it now, if a little squeamishly so. But uh, you could be sure they'd scream bloody murder. And also, by the way, there's actually was another very famous case uh, involving this issue, and and that was the impoundment tactics of Richard Nixon. Uh, so if you want to read the complicated history about that, impoundment was when the president would take money that had been authorized for spending mm. and not spend it. So what Trump is doing here is taking money that's not been authorized for spending and diverting it from another area that was authorized for spending. Um, I am hopeful that Nancy Pelosi might make the observation, well, I mean, if this uh, military uh, defense spending is not all that urgent and that you saw fit to divert this for the border, I don't think we need it anymore. So just cancel, you know, $8 billion of the Pentagon spending. Which apparently in uh, Trump's budget proposal, he's offering $5 billion more than the Pentagon even asked for. Yeah. And that's, of course, the budget that's they're going to debate that down the line in October. So we're going to have another uh, sequel to this holiday government shutdown. Sorry. Pathetic story. National Lampoon's holiday government shutdown yeah um trump is uh very confused about a lot of things and this latest veto which of course he's got the right to veto but i don't think he has the right to assert unilaterally that constitutional scholars are unanimous that i'm on solid ground here uh they're not (laughs) and it's going to be very interesting to even hear uh, when and if the Supreme Court hears this case, uh, because this law could be struck down um, in lower courts. And if the Supreme Court doesn't want to hear the case, they have that option, which they have that option. Yeah. That's what writ of certiorari is all about. It's a complicated concept, but we've already seen uh, in some of the early votes on certiorari since Kavanaugh joined the court that he's been inclined to go more with uh, Judge Roberts than with Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas, and that he's not quite as conservative as Gorsuch. 
So all of the ballyhooed uh, guarantees that Donald Trump has appointed somebody that's going to overturn Roe, for instance, may not pan out. Uh, I might add that Kavanaugh was specifically asked about stare decisis. Now, if he rejects proven constitutional law that's part of the precedent, in other words, the impoundment case relied on some of the arguments that had been made in the Youngstown Steel case. This is how constitutional law gets developed. Um, And as uh, Black put it quite well, um, the president's powers are not spelled out on this particular issue. The president is only authorized to do things that are passed by statute or are in the Constitution directly. Originalism. How much you want to bet that that gets thrown into the under the bus oh. by Thomas and Alito and possibly Gorsuch, uh, and originalism just vanishes as a concept uh, to to accommodate Donald Trump's immigration hysteria is what it is. Uh, the notion that there's an emergency down there or that he should be dispatching military troops down there is pretty silly. And, of course, some of these weird incidents involving ICE are continuing. Uh, how interesting to hear a dairy farmer in upstate New York note, well, if you keep up all this, uh, all these raids on these farms, uh, people are going to have problems getting food off the grocery shelves if you're not careful. Um, so I don't. You know, we know that Donald Trump is going to keep playing this poor poker hand that he's got. And, of course, he's already having a little lever spat with Ann Coltergeist. Well, I think a lot of the weekend tweet storms were sort of meltdown mode indicators. Uh, as you say, he's a got a poor hand and he's a poor player uh, that struts and frets his hour up on the stage. Soon, hopefully, he will be heard from no more, to quote Shakespeare. But uh, the meltdown continues all around him. Uh, Ivanka is now being investigated through uh, this document request uh, that uh, Jerry Nadler's committee, um, uh, Judiciary and Oversight, Elijah Cummings' committee, um, are, uh, I think today was the deadline for 81 uh, People had been requested to provide various documents. Tomorrow, apparently, uh, some of the uh, materials seized in uh, the FBI raid on Michael Cohen's home and office are to be made public. That's likely to contain a few little landmines. And, of course, as we noted last week, the you know the, the sentencing of Paul Manafort... Turds outside of the litter box, if you was, will. ...was not... Uh... Final, and you know, he's got seven years. Trump, of course, has made all kinds of personal uh, sympathy statements. And then, right. what did and, we see? We saw the state of New York indict Manafort on 16 charges within an hour. Right. They gave Trump an hour to pardon. To, yeah. And of course, uh, you, uh, the president can't pardon for uh, state level crimes. Yep. Also noteworthy, Rick Gates's. Uh, sentencing uh, deadline has been extended yet again, as prosecutors say he continues to share relevant sure. information mm-hmm. in a number of investigations. Yeah. 
And, of course, Michael Flynn is another high-ranking Trump campaign official uh, in the in the in the pokey in in the in the sentencing uh, situation, uh, uh, doo doo. Uh, he's he's the mouse caught amidst all of the, I don't know the cheeseheads uh, that are in the Trump White House. So yeah, it's not it's not a good situation. Whatever Kellyanne Conway is on, they're going to have to get some more to supply it to everybody else to remain perky and cheerful. That's right. As the uh, dumpster fire rages on. She is the Ron's <clears throat> the Ron Ziegler of the Trump uh, <laughs> the Trump White House. <clears throat> Ron Ziegler being the uh, press spokesman for Richard Nixon, who stuck with him till the very That's end. That's right. Even though he gave that famous statement, all previous statements. By the president, are inoperative. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a classic line for yeah. sure. <laughs> All previous statements by the president on Watergate are inoperative. Let's just forget about that. Let's just talk about something else. Wipe the slate clean. I'm the press secretary. I've got a very good eraser up here. Uh, just to remind you, you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Andrew Spinner, engineer, this evening, and Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. I want to give a quick mention to uh, we were talking about airing on the side of caution at the beginning of the program. I think the University of Michigan played the uh, awkward incident over this weekend uh, very well. Yeah. Um, Though with, there will be this Monday morning quarterback sure. about it that. What choice do you have? Yeah, I mean, erring on the side of caution in the climate that we live in today, it's sad that a group of students popping some balloons and screaming and laughing uh, was enough of a perceived threat to make people go, oh, oh no, were, were this these is happening the here. kind of balloons that go up? Into the air, or were these the kind of balloons I that you have no inhale? Idea. No idea. But this was in Mason Hall. Yeah, as mm-hmm. many listeners are aware now. Uh, it strangely fell to me to make the announcement over the uh, air here Saturday evening, as I hosted uh, the musical program. Uh, Jerry Mack had an interesting encounter with uh, 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 you know law enforcement officials as he left the building. That's his story to tell. Uh, but. I think it's very it should be seen as a rehearsal drill yeah. because these sort of things continue to happen. I mean, in the aftermath of what happened in Christchurch, New Zealand, there was a vigil on campus for victims of that. There was also a women's uh, march assembling on the Diag uh, for Ruth Bader Ginsburg's birthday. Right. Yeah. And so uh, you have to take even the chance that something like this could be happening deadly seriously and law enforcement officials and campus security officials responded quickly and you know they were there sure that's good to know that the system is in place i only wish that there was a system in place to uh, prevent the spread of combat weapons in the civilian population so that we didn't have to think, oh, no, I could be brutally murdered or I'm doing radio while 2000 feet away. People are possibly being murdered uh, here on campus. Thankfully, it wasn't happening. But 
I think the university made the right decision to declare the situation the way they did it. And, of course, it was the confluence of events. And, Precisely. And it's the hysteria that's, that's involved. And when the president of the United States continues to be in denial about right-wing hate uh, crimes that are continuing in America unabated, uh, I, I think the, the, the 